Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. It's the Easter season, one of the most important times in the Christian faith. And we celebrate Easter because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, if you're listening to Talk Money, you wouldn't think that we'd start with that. But it is the Easter season. Whether it's a sunrise service or an Easter pageant, we celebrate Easter for the hope it brings to Christians across our nation and across the world. You're a person of a Christian faith as I am. I hope you stop and thank the Lord for Easter. It is a part of our family, and I think we never, ever want to miss that particular thing as we teach our kids about Easter. But uh, let's move to really what we're here about with Talk Money on this particular day. Several weeks ago, we had two people that created a lot of interest by you, our listeners, pertaining to their subject. So we have brought them back. Today's program is about estate planning and trust planning. Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm and Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial, they're with us again because of popular demand. We are going to be discussing types of trust and why you should consider a trust in your estate plan and some reasons not to fear a trust. That's amazing that sometimes I hear that. And of course, we're going to talk about ways of avoiding common mistakes that we make when it comes to estate planning. Have you checked your beneficiary designations recently? That's a question we're going to ask. Do you coin, do they coincide with your last will and testament? Do you need a trust to make sure you accomplish what you desire for your heirs? And how do you select the trustee? That is today's show, and you don't want to miss it because it is a conversation packed with information. That's Mac Bailey and Scott Jordan. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. We'll be right back after this. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantage Capital Management and Securing Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
And I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money here on KWAM 990. My guests today are Scott Jordan and Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm. Of course, I want to remind you, as we appreciate so much what Mac does, Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. And I want to welcome Mac and Scott to the program. Welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here, Jim. Great to be here again, Jim. You know, one of the things that we discussed a couple of weeks ago that really kind of got people going was the whole idea behind if you don't have a trust, and I think you said this, Scott, if not a trust, excuse me, if you don't have a will, the estate's going to give you one. I think you called it something Yeah, by design or by default. Everybody has an estate plan by design or by default. So it's either you decide how your assets are going to be distributed or the state will decide that for you. Mike, when you talk about that, the state of Tennessee or Arkansas or Mississippi, for our listening audience, all three states pretty much say we're going to deal with your estate one way or the other. Right. The state of Tennessee knows that 70% of the population does not have an estate plan, does not have a will. So as a result, the legislature has created one for those people. And it basically says that if you're married with no kids, it goes to the spouse. If you're married with kids, it goes to spouse and kids. If you're not married, it could go to brothers and sisters, or it could go up line to parents. But the state has a plan for you if you don't have one for yourself. Now, if I wanted to, as you you pretty much described that, how can I get a copy of this Tennessee state will? Can I go online to find that? Or? Yeah, you can. It's called intestate succession. It basically, that's the magic you know, legal term for it. And so it'll outline, it says exactly what happens if you die without a will. You know, so many times we, we talked about this uh, last time we got together, and I, I think people just don't take it into consideration. But that will, as you did, the Tennessee will, may not do what you're wanting to don't be done. That's correct. And I tell all the people all the time that you You don't have to leave anything to your children. Um, You do have to leave something to your spouse, but you may want to carve out assets for charity or a special family member that has particular needs or a good friend that's been good to you and taking care of you. So um, your plan may look different than the state of Tennessee's plan. And that's so critical for people to know. Scott, we talked about the fact that I guess I I want to kind of uh, help people understand this, this failing to develop an estate plan or as Mac is, you know, having a will, the reality is so many people think that's for the wealthy. Yeah, we see, we hear that a lot. And it's really not. Not at all. Not at all. Having the basic, what we call the basic documents in place, that's applicable to almost everyone. So if you've got assets of any kind, Mac, what's the minimum? Is there a minimum? I mean, if you, you know, if I got $10,000 or do I need a will or is it $100,000? Well, the small state in the state of Tennessee is defined as something less than $50,000. And most people will have that. I mean, if you have a home and you've got a bank account and you've got a retirement account and you may have a life insurance policy, it's pretty easy to exceed $50,000. Do you have to? I mean, if I, if I, here I am, I got $50,000 and I want to make sure it goes to my spouse. Is that going to happen? You said that you said that it's not going to happen as I think it's going to happen. It's not automatic. And I tell people, too, a marriage license is not a will. So just because you may be married, it does not mean that your assets are going to go to your spouse. If you've got children that are minors or you have children from a previous relationship or marriage, your assets may be split up between kids and spouse when you think it's going to your spouse only. All right. Let me let me cover this, because I think so many people, you know, because now we're talking about minor children. I don't have a will, and so minor children, I need to set up some beneficiaries, 
some fiduciary responsibilities. Now, when I talk about fiduciary, that's a big word. That's your executor. That's the person that's kind of your personal representative. Uh, I've heard it said, you know, do you understand executor and executrix? You know, the legal profession, Mac, I have to say this, does a great job of confusing <laughs> us. An executor is a... An executor is a person of trust that administers your estate when you die. An executrix? An executrix is the female version of that. <laughs> you, know, you leave it to law, you know? I mean, you know, what could we just said, uh, you know, well, you're right, though. You need to know the difference. And the reality is make sure that everybody understands the executor. How long does the executor serve? Well, until the estate closes. And so that may be a six months, maybe nine months. I've got one estate that's been open now for eight years because we're paying estate taxes on wow. a family farm over a 10-year period. So it really varies based on the size of your state and the complexity of your All state. All right. You've got a great example there, paying on a family farm for 10 years. They didn't have the cash. It was all land, all it dirt. It was all land, no cash to pay the estate taxes. Very large estate. Mm. That happens a lot. We, we see that where there's uh, just no cash available from that standpoint. So the executor or executrix is the one that's handling the estate, closing the estate. Are, are, what's the responsibilities of that person? Their job is to collect all the assets first or garner the assets, pull in the assets, then pay all the debts, pay all the bills off, and then distribute whatever's left over to the beneficiaries in accordance with what the will says. Okay, so, so now they're distributing, so they're getting rid of things. They're closing out. Is there tax returns they have to file? Yeah, they have to file the final income tax return for the decedent or the deceased person. Uh, they may have to file a U.S. estate tax return if their estate is greater than the exemption amount. Um, so there are some tax returns that they will have to file. So there's some work to be done. So do you, can you name anybody an executor? Is that just anybody? Is that okay? Or you, you can name anybody. It may not be advisable. Um, primarily, <laughs> you want to look at someone that understands business matters or that has enough sense to hire the appropriate people to help them. But you can look, still look at family members, friends, look at professionals like accountants and lawyers, and then you can also look at a financial institution's corporate trust department. Okay. All right. That's important for us to know. So now we've still got that fiduciary of minor children. We call it the guardian. And if you don't have a will, you don't have a guardian. Courts, the state will name your guardians. That is correct. That's right. Because you may have to have a minor guardianship proceeding or hearing to appoint someone to take care of your child. Not just the child's money, but take care of the child's person. This is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and this really got a lot of people's attention. Everybody thought that if they want mom and dad to take care of them, or they want Uncle Johnny and Aunt Mary to take care of them, that's just easy to say. That's who I want. But if they haven't named that person specifically, that's a problem. That is a problem, because that person may not be the one serving. So... Can I can I contest a guardianship? Can I say I don't want this person to take care of my nephew? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We do see that occur to where uh, someone is designated as the guardian and then circumstances change where this person may not be the most appropriate person at that time to serve as guardian. So you can contest it, but it is expensive and it takes a lot of time. So I guess Max giving us a thought. It can be contested. Scott, do we do we? Do we help people understand the role there? I mean, that's kind of critical in the advisory. We absolutely do. And, you know, that's that's one of the things that we always review from people is look at a state doc. Well, if they don't have them, we recommend they get them. If right. they have them, we review them. And we had a case recently where we were reviewing them with a client, and 
went over the guardian that he had named, and all of a sudden he was like, whoa, we need to change, change that. that. Things yeah. have changed. Yeah. So it's important to not only do it, but to review it and make sure it's still relevant. To and, you know, situation. that particular guardian, I know which one you're talking about, had been named about like four years ago. Right. And yet in those four years, totally changed. Yeah, things not, had changed. Yeah, so. I did not want that to happen. That's a good point. And so finally, let's talk about trustee. Um, that's a critical part. If I establish a trust, I, I want to. I want the person. Let's talk about the person, and then why a trust. Tell me about the person. Well, the trustee, like I said, the word trust is in the word trustee, and so you have to trust the person that you select as the trustee to serve. So the trustee can once again be a family member, can be a friend or business acquaintance. It can be a professional like a lawyer or an accountant, or it could be a corporate trust department with a bank or a large financial institution. And so that trustee is a person that you're putting in charge of someone else's money. And so that person you have to trust and make sure they're going to do a good job for the beneficiary. I have a uh, client, and I want to ask you this question. This is a little free legal advice here. How you like this? This is pretty good. Um, get, get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good guy. Uh, I got a case where you've got somebody who is the, the wife, the, the grantor's wife, Wants to make sure that they that she's taken care of without having to get involved in a lot of stuff. Um, that the the grantor in this particular case has been kind of the provider. He's a little too much of a you know into it business wise, and he's he's kind of I'm not saying control freak, but he does, and he hasn't shared a whole lot with her. So when we were talking and walking through this, you could tell she just said, "I really don't want to get involved." That's a perfect example of someone who needs a trust. Absolutely. The trust for that situation makes a lot of sense because the trustee is going to manage the assets for that beneficiary or that spouse, is going to file tax returns every year for that particular asset, uh, is going to make distributions out to the spouse based on their needs, and then also step in if something happens to the spouse. If the surviving spouse becomes incapacitated or needs additional care, then that trustee can also step in and make sure those um, needs are provided for. So you need to be thinking about the trustee as a gatekeeper, as someone who is taking care of your assets, someone who's making distributions for you, who's kind of managing the assets, but also looking at the beneficiary if they're incapacitated. They're they're taking care of all the, the benefit. I mean, they're the ones watching over. So you said the word trust. That's why we end the word trustee. And it can be a family member, a friend. Uh, and then, Scott, we actually talked about the fact that, you know, using the corporate trustee, as Max said, someone who's going to be around. We don't want to be changing trustees in the middle of things. So it, that's critical for you guys. I mean, everybody needs to be understanding appropriate fiduciaries, someone who you trust, who has the knowledge that knows the your value system and says, okay, we can we can do what you have said as the grantor, as the person starting out and doing this. We'll take care of things that you want us to take care of. You've just tuned in. I'm talking to Scott Jordan and Mac Bailey. Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial, Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm. And we're talking about some just simple things about last will and testaments, trust, and how to manage your trust, and whether or not you, what type of fiduciary is. And then, of course, Scott's helping us avoid some of the common mistakes that people have that we do see ourselves in, in doing estate planning. We, we just procrastinate, and we think about it. Mac, I guess one of the questions that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was a special needs trust. That, to me, is one that should never, ever be a question whether somebody's thinking about doing that. 
But when do they do a special needs trust? Explain it first, and then when do they do it? A special needs trust is a trust for a person who has special needs or disabilities, whether it's mental or physical disabilities. And so a special needs trust can be created during their lifetime, and family members can make contributions to that trust, or it can be created upon the death of the parent or the other family member, and then funds transfer into that trust upon death, just like through a last will and testament would. So, so, but it's for that person who is incapacitated, and I guess I want to make sure I didn't quite understand. Do I do this before they're an adult, or can I do it and wait till they're adults to do it? Well, you, you, would, you would hopefully do it whenever you're doing your estate planning, but it's okay. for minor children that may be disabled, but it's also for adult children that's disabled. It could also be for adult spouse who is disabled or becoming disabled. So the purpose of the Special Needs Trust is to provide an inheritance to someone, but still allow them to qualify for means-tested or needs-based government benefits like Medicaid or some kind of health care benefit they could receive. All right. If you just tuned in, of course, I said I was talking to Mac Bailey. Well, you know, I know some of you've got questions because literally this is not a simple subject, but it's a subject that we all need to be thinking about. So if you need to talk to Mac, give him a call at 843-2760, 843-2760. And of course, you can always talk to Scott at 757-5757. So again, guys, I'm, I'm trying to put this together in my head. We've talked about beneficiary designations, and then my will says one thing, and my beneficiary designation doesn't always agree. Does that create a pro- I know it creates a problem. How do I fix the problem? Well, you fix the problem by coordinating your beneficiary designations with what your will says. So if your will says, I give all my life insurance to Joe, but your life insurance policy says you give it to Jane, Jane's going to get the life insurance, not Joe. Period. Absolutely. No no difference. So you can't, I mean, they just need to understand that. So, Scott, when we do a review with someone, we're checking all that. Right? We're looking at the beneficiary designations. We look at a lot of stuff, and some people will come to us, you know, just want to talk about their investments or whatever, and we always back up and do the planning and look at everything. Because, because we don't want them procrastinating. We, we don't want them procrastinating. We want to make sure we understand the whole picture and that, the, and that their goals are accomplished. That's the ultimate uh, that's ultimately what we're shooting for, we're so shooting we for. want to make sure that we're looking at everything. Mac Bailey and Scott Jordan, we're talking about common mistakes that we have a tendency to do when we're doing our state planning and trust terminology. I mean, it is amazing. Just understanding what a living trust is, a special needs trust. When we come back, we'll talk more with these two guys. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time. It is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Listening to Talk Money, my guest is... Of course, if you've been telling you through the whole out through the program, is Scott Jordan and Mac Bailey, and we're talking about something. You know, it's a subject that I hate to say this. Some people say, "Oh, I don't need 
to do a trust. I don't need to do a life insurance policy. I don't need to change my beneficiaries. Well, the reality is we find out that so many people really do. If you have a minor child, minor children, period, you need a will. Because if you don't have one, the state of Tennessee, we found out, has one for you and may not name the beneficiary, the name the guardians for your minor children that you would have liked to have been named. And then you get into a, a brutal discussion. I've uh, Sometimes I would call those discussions arguments. Judges like to call them discussions. They're really <laughs> arguments. Mac, you, you've talked about the uh, living trust. Now, uh, let's make sure we get a handle on that again. A living trust is something that should everybody have, or who needs a living trust? Yeah, a living trust is an option to a last will and testament. So it's an alternative to a will. So you normally either have a last will and testament as your primary document or a living trust as your primary document. We look at a lot of factors for a living trust. We look at the size of the estate. We look at where you own real property, because if you own a house here in Memphis and a condo in Florida, we're going to have to probate your estate both in Tennessee and in Florida. Um, We also look at where your kids live. Do they live in California and New York? So they have to come back for the probate process. So we try to look at a lot of factors to help the client decide, do they need a will or do they need a living trust? And a living trust would avoid the kids if they're living, as you said, in New York and California. I mean, you know, we don't think about that. A hundred years ago, that wasn't so prevalent. But, Scott, we see that all the time. Families are spread across the country. I mean, you got multiple properties in multiple states. And, you know, they had a house where they lived in New Mexico. They decided to keep it, and they're renting it, and now they've moved. And that's an issue for a lot of people, so we keep that in mind. Let me, guys, when you talk about the Living Trust, and that's a perfect example, Tennessee Asset Protection Trust, Mac. I mean, a big term, but it's very important. And Tennessee is one of the few states that has this type of legislation. And what it allows you to do is take your assets, put them in a trust, your own assets, put them in a trust, and then protect them from your own creditors. And this is a very different type of trust that you won't see in every state. Only 18 states out of 50 have this type of trust available. So we use Tennessee Asset Protection Trust for clients that may have a high net worth and maybe have great exposure to liability. Give me an example. That would be a physician. A physician, physician would have say a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Contractor, construction company, right? Architect. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of examples that a, a pilot, for example, uh, those people have exposure to liability, which could end up it could result in them losing losing their personal assets. That's a great point. That's a great. And actually, just anybody with a high net worth needs to at least consider it from that standpoint. Uh, that's a thought for when we work with that. Scott, one of the things that I see that so many people do when they're working through this, and one of the things that I want to make sure that we talk about this, is titling assets. You know, when you go through your review with someone, I'm amazed at what we see. Tell us a little bit about well, that. Well, you know, you, you see things like, for convenience, people will title bank accounts and maybe add one of their children onto the account and things like that. And that that could lead to unintended consequences as far as the estate plan goes because they may be trying to leave assets in their will, but now they've joint titled a a property, and that property is going to pass by law, right? Right. It's going to pass to the joint owner by law. So whatever the said in the will will not be considered in that transfer. So so you've got something like a, like that, you know, where you talk. Yep. What about the house? I mean, the home. I had, excuse me, I had a case a couple of years ago where, um, well, I, I tell you what, when we come back, I'm going to tell you about this case. It was a husband and wife, both had deceased spouses. Now, the problem was when they got married, they used the male's asset, the husband's, to buy this home. 
then with his death 17 years later, those children decided to challenge and saying it's their home. Oh, it's a good case. It created lots of problems. So if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm and Scott Jordan with Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about trust in estates, and we're talking about ways of things to avoid when you're thinking about estate planning. So stay with us because we've got so much going on, and we want you to be a part of it. We'll be back right after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Having become a victim of its own economic success during the war years, the population boom placed great strains on the city's infrastructure. Despite issuing nearly $15 million in new bonds for school buildings, hospitals, sewers, and transportation improvements, the city struggled to keep up with the progress other southern cities were making. Yet the area in which the city was most behind its peers was not in its infrastructure, but in its political system, dominated for many years by Boss Crump. The defeat of the Crump-backed U.S. Senate candidate John Mitchell in 1948 coupled with Crump's opposition to President Truman's civil rights program, signaled the coming end of the one-party system in Memphis and the growing strength and political involvement of African-American Memphians seeking to correct the racial inequality in the city. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. Estate planning, elder law, and probate, planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do and the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Mac Bailey and Scott Jordan. We're talking about estate planning and trust, and we're talking about things you should avoid. And before the break, I was telling you about the case where, guys, here's what happened. You had husband and wife, predest- you know, their, their spouses had died earlier, and they came together later on in life. They were in their 60s, got married, and lived together for 17 years. Very good family, good connections. At his death, which he did predecease the, the lady, her, his children decided that because he had bought the house with his estate, uh, they owned the, the house. It was their house. Now, you know, the sad thing about it was it turned out there's something that I want you to cover is failing to title, title assets. Scott, you talked about it before the break. Just simply setting somebody up on a you know the checking account, it could present problems. Mac, walk us through all the things about titling because that can be so critical. In this particular case, the courts threw that one out because – she and he, the two people that we're talking about, owned the house jointly. 
So talk about it. Well, like Scott said, joint assets can be real problematic upon death because a joint owner normally would receive the estate or whatever the asset is immediately upon the death of the other joint owner. So it doesn't go through probate, doesn't go through the will, doesn't go through a living trust. So a joint asset is actually a, an estate plan in a way because it has a right of survivorship attached to it. So we see this all the time in second marriages where they sell both of their homes, they buy one new joint home together, and the question is, how do we title that house? Do we title it jointly? Do we put it just in the husband's name, just the wife's name? A lot of times it depends upon who made the largest contribution to the house. So these are all things that need to be planned out, and most people don't even think twice about it when they do this. That's a, that's a critical thought. So let's make sure everybody's listening. If you're going through any type of change, whether it's the death of a spouse, whether it's it's a, a marriage or second marriage or whatever you do, all of this is a part of your estate planning. This is what you're trying to avoid because I think people need to understand the best time to do an estate plan is when everybody's around the table. The worst time to try to put an estate plan together when somebody's missing. That's right. We can't do estate planning via seance, so people have to be there. You have to do it while you're alive. Have to right. be there. That's a good way of looking at it from that standpoint. Well, I guess one of the things that we talk about is incapacity, Scott. I That is so critical, determining somebody's incapacitated. Help me with that. Well, you know, we see we always talk with people about planning for this because after it happens, it's it's too late. You know, you see that a lot where where someone is becoming incapacitated, the children or spouse get involved and want to start making decisions. And by then, if you haven't made the proper, you know, set up a durable power of attorney to give somebody control in that situation or you have a trust with a successor trustee, it can be very problematic to get access to needed financial resources. And that can be a huge problem when you're trying to put together, even to take care of this person, you've got major problems like that. Mac, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about incapacitation and naming how can someone be declared incapacitated. There's a couple of thoughts because one person was adamant about one thought being that any doctor can name somebody as an incapacitated person. Help the help our audience understand the law. Well, most of the time when you have a power of attorney, there may be it may be springing, which means it only becomes effective when a physician signs a letter stating that you can no longer handle your affairs anymore, and then someone steps into your shoes. But that physician's letter affidavit is not a legal declaration of incapacity. The only way for you to be declared legally incompetent or incapacitated is by a court. So, what does that mean? I mean, okay, a court. I mean, is it? terrible to, to go to the court to be named incapacitated? Well, lawyers don't think it's terrible, but it is very, very <laughs> expensive uh, and very time-consuming and very emotionally burdensome. All right. That's a, that's a critical part for people to understand that it's uh, you need to try to, you know, if you got to do it, you got to do it. You need to find someone that can do that. If you're thinking about having to do that, Mac Bailey is 843-2760, 843-2760. Two seven six zero Scott Jordan seven five seven five seven five seven. We're talking about estate planning. We're talking about trust. We're talking about uh, things that you need to be careful with and avoid. So that's important because when we come back, I'm going to find out what it means to have a charitable trust. Very very important to know what you're doing, and then of course always review and update. Scott's going to give us some thoughts on that. Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money, and I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest Scott Jordan and Mac Bailey. We'll be right back after this. Talk. 
podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services are not affiliated with Mac Bailey or the Bailey Law Firm. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide tax and or legal advice. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax and or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. We're talking with Mac Bailey and Scott Jordan. We're talking about last will and testaments and trust and how do you put it all together? Just things that you want to avoid, things to know, things that you really need to be doing. Even if you only have a small estate, you need to put together your last will and testament and your trust if you need one. And of course, some things that you should avoid. That's Scott Jordan. And Scott, what I wanted to talk about is the failing, a person failing to to review, the failure to review, I guess is what I'm thinking, and update their estate plan. They did it five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years. We've actually seen cases that were 20, 25 years ago, and it's everything's fine, and you look at it, and it's a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Estate plan is not something you just do and put up on a shelf and forget about. Uh, Things change, you know, changes in the law, uh, changes in a family, changes in the way you feel about things. Anything can change. And reviewing those documents and reviewing that plan, I would say at a minimum every three Three to five years. Three to five years. Mac, you said people sometimes just don't like to talk about death and dying. They just kind of avoid it. They procrastinate. What do you say to your clients? What do you how do you encourage them that they got to review? Well, I talk about the consequences of not reviewing. Um, and, And like Scott said, if something changed dramatically and now your estate plan has changed because your personal circumstances have changed, then what you intended to do will not happen. And so we talk about consequences of not reviewing or not doing your estate plan. Well, that's a, that is so critical. I mean, you can have children in the process. You've got you've adopted a child. You got have you had a divorce? And so every three to five years, just make it a habit of reviewing what you're doing. Now, okay, Mac, here I am. I've gotten a, an estate plan from someone else, a legal documents of all someone, but I'm going to bring it to you. How do you manage that? I mean, that can be pretty tough looking at somebody else's work. I mean, doctors have to do it. Financial advisors have to do it. Lawyers have to do it. How do you handle it? Well, we'll certainly review someone else's documents. So if they've already had their documents done before and they want us to review them to see if we would recommend any changes or or corrections, we'll be glad to do that. Of course, we also know that people are going to review our work as well. And so I think that's just part of the program when you're a lawyer and you're drafting documents. Uh, you know that sooner or later these documents are going to be reviewed by someone else. You know, one of the things that I want the listening audience to understand, if you're working with Shoemaker Financial or with Mac Bailey, what I like to see is a team. 
where the, the advisors are working with the attorneys, the accountants. There's this whole mindset of the client is controlling the issues, but we're all working on behalf of the client to resolve whatever issues they have. And that's critical in this process. I think the team approach is very important to estate planning. Like you said, the financial advisor, the accountant, and the lawyer, they all need to talk. They all need to discuss. And at the end of the day, it's what's in the best interest of the client. And, you know, I have been in cases where it seemed like they were turf wars. That's just not a good team. That's not how we want to do that. And that's so important for so many people to understand that. So in, in closing, guys, is there something you want to summarize? You got a couple, about a minute. So, Mac, summarize. What do you think about estate planning and what are we trying to do? To, you know, to contrary opinion, everybody needs an estate plan. Whether you're worth a million dollars or $10,000, you need an estate plan, especially if you have minor children. No question about that. Scott? I think, as he said, everyone needs one and everybody needs to continue to review the plan and to bring somebody with some expertise into the situation to help you review that. Well, let me say this, too. You don't, and I'm just an advocate, you need to look somebody in the eye and say, this is what I want to do. Don't go to the Internet and absolutely know, wheel in a box type stuff, guys. That You're playing, a, it's Russian roulette if you do that. You may be okay. But you don't want to take a chance with your children and with your assets that you want to leave them to somebody. Well, I thank you for listening today. It has been a great program. Of course, Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm is specializing in specializing in estate planning, asset protection, charitable gifts, and business succession, elder law, and probate. Mac Bailey and, of course, Scott Jordan in the Shoemaker Financial 757-5757. Again, my producer and board operator is Gilworth. Guest and content coordination is Francis Ford. Production assistant Eleanor Moskovitz and compliance officer Tommy Armstrong. Mid South History Moment by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money here on KWAM 990, helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantage Capital Management and Securing Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates. Yeah, that's money.
Oh, no. 